Hey guys, welcome to the GCM News Podcast. I'm Derek. I have Larry here with me. This week we start our new series on identity crisis. We're going to be taking a look at some ancient garments that may give us a hint into some really Old Testament theology and even New Testament theology. But before that, we'll be back in about 60 seconds. Let's get started. And when we look around us in our world today, we see this idea of identity crises and identity crisis popping up all over the place. Um, it it happens politically, ideologically. There's these identity crises where people question what they believe, who they are, who they associate, what they want to be, and. We, we see this in, in people's personal lives. We see this with people questioning their sexuality, their gender identity, their political affiliations. We see it um, with you know, who they want to be friends with, what they want to go to school for. Um, oftentimes, it's, it's, it's associated with growing up in adolescence. It's a huge thing, right? Um, and we see it in the church, right? The idea of deconstruction. All that is, is a fancy word for identity crisis and how to get through it and, and, and spoken of in a certain way. And the thing is, is when people hit that point of where they're doing deconstruction or they're, they're having that crisis of faith or identity crisis, it's where they question what they believe and they begin to examine because something has caused them to have that doubt or have that introspective moment. Okay. And those moments are healthy. They're healthy because all identity crisis is, is it's a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure. Typically, it's due to a change in a person's expected aim or role in society. So this is why you see in adolescence a lot, because in adolescence, you turn from being a child to being an adult. Everything that's expected of you, every way that you you interact with everything around you changes. And sometimes those changes happen very, very quickly and they're difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, and, and for that reason, identity crisis really is a natural process of life. It's something that everyone deals with. It's something that everyone goes through. And, and that's why I think it's important to talk about identity crises, and it's important to talk about the idea of identity, and it's what we're going to do in this series, is we're going to look at identities, and we're going to look at the identity that God has given us, okay? We need to understand this, because if somebody is going through a deconstruction, if they're going through that crisis of faith, and we don't have a solid foundation, we don't have a solid base we can't help them through that. Yeah. And, and so we want to talk about that because the problem you run into is when you try to force an identity on a person, when you try to force something on someone, if somebody's going through a crisis of faith and you make them against their will do certain things, they will rebel against them. It's one of the problems that we see with young people in the church is they hit that crisis of faith and they're not sure. And rather than give them room to figure who they are out and encourage them in healthy ways, 
to turn to God and to turn to godly sources, we have parents who just shove them further into things, into church. And all it does is solidify them as angry at the church. And so we need to understand identity in this context and for this reason. And so to do that, I want to specifically look, and this is going to sound odd, but it'll make sense. We're going to look at an Old Testament item. It's called a zitzit. It's part of the tali, the the prayer shawl, a part of the, the robes that they would wear, okay? It was an extension of the hem of the garments, and it was very, very important to the ancient Jewish culture and the cultures of the ancient Far East in general. And I'm going to make an argument that when the Bible shows us this item, it's showing us a representation in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament in places of our salvation, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, of the very seal of God that the book of Revelation says is on the forehead of the believer. Yeah. Okay. So are we ready for the argument of this? Because it's going to be a good one. Guys, he's been ragging me about this for a week now. And I am so excited about this. Like this is like, it's going to be great. All right. So first off, some background in the ancient Near East, right? So it's not just Jewish cultures. There's a tradition of these tassels that provided identities to those who wear it. Now, it's difficult for archaeologists and people who study these things to really understand a ton about them, because the reality is, is that it's not like you find full garments of poor people from 3,500 years ago intact. But you do find a lot of garments of rich people, decently intact, too fully intact from this time frame. Okay, and so there was a paper written by this guy named Jacob Milgram, and he said in it, and it's about hems and tassels in that time period, he said, to understand the significance of the tassel, we must first understand the significance of the hem. The hem of an ancient Near Eastern garment was not simply a fold sewed to prevent the threads of the cloth from unraveling. As an aside, that is what our hems are for. They just They're there to stop the garment from unraveling, but here they had a purpose. So to continue his quote, the hem of the outer garment or robe made an important social statement. It was usually the most ornate part of the garment. And the more important the individual, the more elaborate and the more ornate was the embroidery on the helm of his or her outer robe. The tassel must be understood as an extension of such a hem. Okay, so the elaborate tassel was an extension of the hem and could be used as a form of identification. It was used as a signature. It was used as a promissory note. A biblical example of it used as a promissory note is the story of Judah when he had to give a promise that he would return to, I think, Tamra. Yeah, Tamar. Tamar, Tamar. That's what it was, Tamar. When he had to give something to her, one of the things he gave her was the zitzit, the the hem of his garment. So the other thing that it was used for is that nobility used it as a way to identify themselves as upper class, as important, as noble, and as titled. Okay, so you could look at these people and you could see that they were the important people in society. They were set apart and they had a they had something 
that was going to be theirs or was theirs. In Jewish culture, the tassels also held a specific and special importance. But it went beyond just that. It went just beyond money. It went just beyond stature. Okay. Numbers 15, 37 through 41 says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. These tassels are the tzitzit. And it almost reads like uh, the Shema, you know, in the in the frontlet, and like it. It's, it's specifically a, referring to the Shema, Shema. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it says, yeah. "I am the Lord your God." Yes, right? so it's important, okay? It, it, and it does refer to the Shema, which we'll get to. But first, I want to point out. The Sifrit Zuda 15, which is part of the Talmud, states, the commandment of the Zitzit is as important as all the other commandments together. And he who regularly wears Zitzit is considered as if he observed all the commandments. So basically this, this would be like, putting on a robe to make yourself at least look like you serve God. It literally was a garment that you put on that declared to everyone who looked at you that you were following the entirety of the law. That's that's something that a little tiny piece like this could represent something so huge. Oh, oh, it represents more than that. But but this, I mean this honestly, rabbit hole, it oh Alice, it's getting deeper. Well and when I think about that, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is the rich man coming to Jesus and saying, like, I keep all these commandments. I do. And he's probably wearing this zeet zeet. And, and <laughs> I, I know I probably sound like a Southern hick saying zeet zeet, but I'm doing my best. Uh, I, I know, just hope we don't air this episode and we have a bunch of people who are like, dude, you pronounced every Hebrew word in this episode wrong. Every time we're trying guys, <laughs> we're trying. Uh, but it just reminds me of that rich young ruler coming to him and be like, you know, I'm keeping the law. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Yeah. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, go sell half your belongings. And, you know, this is part of an identity and his riches would have been part of his identity. And God was, Jesus was basically asking him, like, go sell half your identity. And then we can talk. He was telling him to go, go and give up who you are and take on who I am, which is the ZZ. We will get there. So, as you said, according to the different, according to some other rabbi, rabbinic interpretations from the Talbot, the ZZ had other meanings. Okay. A major one is a reminder of the Shema, which it very much um 
references, right? So if we want to read Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, can you read that for me real quick? Yeah, it says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you were going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. <laughs> you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Okay, so a big reason. So not only does it specifically reference the Shema, Shema, but also this idea of the frontlets before your eyes is a big part of why they get that interpretation of it. It's as if you're watching the law, because what it's doing is it's putting right in front of your eyes in your field of vision this promise to follow the law, to follow God's ways and to avoid sin. Well, yeah, I mean, it, and it's almost like a old way of how we do things today. Like what is one of the things that you do if, you know, you want to go to the gym Well, you put your yeah. gym bag in your car uh, or, you know, if you're me and, yeah, or, you know, or to what? use a modern a Christian example from my lifetime, it's the reason people wore WWJD bracelets. In theory, I mean, it didn't always work that way, but yeah, that's what to say. Uh, it, it didn't always worked. work, but I mean, let's be real here. I don't think the Zitzi worked all the time either. No, I mean, because if it did, we wouldn't have the Book of Judges. We wouldn't have all kinds of stuff if it did. Yeah, and so. But yeah, so there's this Shema, it, it's this thing that they're supposed to do. There's, they're supposed to present it all the time. They're supposed to live it every day. They're supposed to tell it to their kids daily. When they rise and when they go to sleep, they're supposed to tell it. Literally, it's a prayer that they would say multiple times a day. So like the reason the ZZ was on the garment was because the ZZ was something that they would go through multiple times every single day to remind themselves of these facts that the Lord God is one that you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And that it should always be a part of you. Okay. So the second thing that the ZZ represented according to these Talmudic sources is a reminder that the Jews are God's servants, that they are, they are the, they are under the authority of God and committed to the actions that he asks of them. Yeah. Okay. The third one is <laughs> a fun one. The third one is that when you come upon a seat and you greet people with it, you are literally greeting the face of God. That is some heavy uh, 
first of all, it reminds you that, hey, like, treat this person like you would want God to be treated. (laughs) Like, I think... just wait the old school pentecostal in me is, is is loving this part it's not just the face of god okay they use a very specific word that i know you'll recognize and i recognize but a lot of people in the church nowadays don't recognize in fact it's one that we we, we i've i've been in meetings where we're like don't use words like this because nobody knows what it means anymore okay sad <laughs> Which it's kind of sad, but it's also one of those things where if you're trying to seek new people, you can't use like coded language that nobody knows. I understand. They literally are saying that they have met with the Shekinah of God. The presence. The literal divine presence of of Jehovah. I mean, that's what they're saying. Yahweh. Yeah. the, the the, The glory of Yahweh. Like that. Yeah. First of all, wow uh yeah i know right but like i I mean like think about that like what is that other than how i I mean it correlates so much i mean listen to these quotes i have two quotes one from rabbi shimon bar yohai who said whoever is careful about observing this mitzvah mitzvah means like it was like a action like a peripheral action yeah right it's kind of like a but yeah in the catholic term it's uh like the rights yeah i think it would be another way another version of that kind of idea that's what a mitzvah is merits but whoever observes this mitzvah merits greeting the face of the shekinah for here it says you shall see or understand here as him and in another passage deuteronomy 6 13 it says revere only the lord your god and worship him so what it's saying is that you'll understand god in it and that we should revere only god but that we should revere this thing that represents him so if it represents him and we should only revere and we should revere it and we should only revere him then it must represent him yes <laughs> which I mean, it's some solid logic. I'm not sure it's true, but it it it's logically coherent, which, I mean, is a solid groundwork to start from, at least. Now, yeah. another one, we say, here it says, you shall see, and in another passage, it says worship. Just as in the second passage, and there's these Hebrew words that it's referencing, the Shekinah, so also here, the Shekinah. So basically, it's, it's saying that you should see the Shekinah and worship the Shekinah in these passages in Deuteronomy and in the passages in Numbers. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, it, it's so far adding up to what I would expect as far as the Jewish theology goes. So the fourth is that the Zitzit is seen as being able to save a person from their sin. I got to hear this one. So often it's specifically referring to sexual sins. The Talmud literally contains stories of people who were miraculously saved of sin via their tzitzit. It references Menashat 44a when it says this. But basically it's saying that 
it's saying looking upon it will cause one's eyes not to be led astray. So the teaching is, is looking upon the tzitzit will guide you to not fall into sin and lust. And so there's passages of the Talmud that are saying that like people who only wear their tzitzit when they go to temple, when they're going to like prayer meetings, they're not actually following the the commandment of the tzitzit and of the the corners because they're only wearing that protection when they're in the synagogue but the reality is is it really isn't needed when you're in the synagogue when it's needed is in the temp in the market when you're around all the sinners who you know might be tempting you fair yeah and i mean honestly it it almost sounds it sounds so simple because you know the first thing that comes to mind when i hear saving from immorality is you know he provides a way of escape from temptation that's what it sounds like if we're doing like cross references to new testament yeah which is interesting on the least well yeah and so the last thing that zizi did this one's good right finally it was a sign of the nobility bestowed upon israel by god yeah yeah, essentially all jews are aristocrats Yes, it was a declaration by God that every single Israelite was to be seen as a direct heir of the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And again, that goes back to Zacchaeus. When I think, and I know I keep referencing like Jesus and like these different, but like there are constantly reminders to me that like Jesus is probably looking on Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, if he's really changed, he's probably wearing that tzitzit. And he's... Well, plus, Jesus flips if, up. it would be hanging. I mean, think about it. Yeah. You're hanging from a tree. You have this ornate... Because, I mean, he was rich, so I'm sure his tzitzit was a little extra, right? Yeah. So he's got it hanging from this tree. I'm sure there was this obnoxious tzitzit that was hanging down from the branches that was visible. Which, again, explains why Jesus would look up. Because it's always like, why did he look in the tree anyway? Well, he saw this thing hanging from it. Well, and two, he looks at him and he says, come down, I got to be at your house. And I know we've talked about this recently, (laughs) but it, it just adds another layer because the crowd is like, oh, he's going to a sinner. And Jesus is like, he's the son of Abraham, too. Yes. And see, that's the thing, is that, I mean, let's think about these things, right? We have an item that is stated to do a whole bunch of things. And and I'm not saying that the Talmud should necessarily be taken as absolute authority, right? Yeah. However, the fact of the matter is, is that predating the life of Jesus, they were teaching that the Zitzit did these things. It was a sign of their consistent commitment to God's holiness and being separate unto God's holiness. Because remember, holiness, which, hey, let's be real. The church talks about holiness in a way that is not correct. 
Holiness is not separation from the world. Holiness is separation onto God. You can be separate from the world and still be separate from God, and that is not holy. Yeah. I mean, that, and, I, yeah. <laughs> and, and the Zizit is a representation of their specific separation to God, to God. which is what holiness is. Yeah, it was a. It's it's holiness. Be be holy for I am holy. Yes. Holiness unto the Lord. No man shall see God. You know, without holiness, no man shall see God because it's all directed to God. If you're doing it for separation from the world, you're doing it for the wrong thing. And I really I can talk about that with Saul, which will be net sweet, but it's that bleeds into a whole different thing. Yeah. It's a sign. Yeah, exactly. We can talk about it all over the place, which is what we're going to do. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, the next, you know, month or so, we're going to be talking about swords. We're going to be talking about Joseph. We're going to be talking about Saul. We're going to be talking about a few different issues. And and all of it is going back to this idea of identity and what does eat represents and the, the, the promise of God that's in it. It's the, you know, like I said, the commitment to God's holiness, separation to God. It's a commitment to serve God. Okay. It's literally showing the face of God in us. It's us showing the face and the authority of God to anybody who looks at us. You were a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. <laughs> right. That you should so forth the praise of him who called you out of darkness and do his marvelous. Yeah. Life. It's it, it identifies our salvation from sin and empowers us to overcome the temptations to sin. It identifies as heirs to the promise of God and the nobility of those who wear it as heirs to the promise and to the literal kingdom of God, which is what the, 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 the heir of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. Being grafted in. Yeah. All of these things, they describe the Zitzit according to pre Christ and the time of Christ teachings of the Jewish church. But they all also describe the baptism of the Holy ghost and the seal that God places on us as believers. When we are filled with the Holy spirit. Uh, That's the episode. Every (laughs) single one of these things, like God in the book of Deuteronomy told us basically every function of the infilling of the Holy Ghost by telling them to put a scroll in front of their face that says, the Lord your God is one, and you should love him with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You know what's interesting? <laughs> every time you read the Old Testament where the where the Spirit of God comes to a person or a man or a prophet or whatever, the spirit always comes upon him. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what the Zit Zit is doing. It's, it's on them. But the Holy Ghost is in you. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and so I, I pulled up some scriptures. Okay. Ephesians 3, 6 says the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We're heirs through this. We are heirs to the promise of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, which is exactly what the ZZ was. It was a sign of their inheritance and their nobility. Okay. But, but this one is the one that I've really liked. So I'm going to read Galatians 3, 23, all the way through Galatians 4, 6. Sounds like a lot. It's only like 12 verses. All right. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law imprisoned into the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So basically we had to do all these physical things so that now by faith in the spirit, we can also, we can have the things that that physical item represented for real. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise i mean that the heir as long as he is a child is no different from a slave though he is the owner of everything but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father in the same way we also when we were children were enslaved to the elementary principles of the word but when the elementary principle but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Here's the thing. Paul. Paul. Okay. Okay. Paul knew what a tzitzit was. He knew what it represented. And all those things that I talked about of the Talmud, he probably had them memorized because that's what the Pharisees did. And he wrote this and he said that as an heir to the promise, as a child, you are no different than a slave. So in the past, we were slaves, even though we were sons. But in that childhood of being a Jew, we had nothing because we were no better than slaves. But now, because Christ has died, because the fulfillment of the zitzit has happened, because of all of these things that have come to pass, we are no longer under the guardianship of childhood. We are full grown now. We've received the full promise of the inheritance of the kingdom of God. 
It's not just a representation of God's Shekinah that is sewn into the hems of our garments to tell people that they should recognize that we are the sons of God. It's that the spirit of God literally lives in us and we walk every second of every day in the authority of being a son of God. It's literally woven into our heart. Yes. It's literally, you know, we, it's interesting that we're talking about the zit zit and its identity and because what did Paul say? I die daily. Yeah. And you know that 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 dying daily is giving up that identity and putting on the identity of an heir, getting rid of the flesh, putting away temptation, putting away sin, putting away wrath and envy and jealousy and putting on Christ every day. Every day. And that identity is really what makes us who we are. Yeah. And and along those lines, I just want to say like this is why I'm oneness. Oh yeah. Because here's the thing. I don't say that because I think anybody else is necessarily wrong or anything like that. I say it because the identity that the spirit of God puts in us is the same law that the Jews were supposed to put in front of them. And that law is simply put together by two phrases. Here we go, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That is our identity. That is who we are. It is literally the the statement of the power, authority, and heirship of God. It's what makes us his heirs. It's what makes us his children. It's what makes us who we are. And that's why we need to remember it. That's why we need to teach it to our kids. That's why we need to tell them. It's not even because anything else is wrong, because I don't think there's a whole bunch of Trinitarians who are right. Functionally. They have a weird title for it, but functionally they don't believe anything incorrect. But they're missing the first half of the statement of what the identity of God in us is. That's why this stuff is important. That's why we're going to talk about identity crisis because it's so very, very important. We're going to see it. We're going to see it in Joseph's coat of many colors and in the promise that that represents and what happens to him through it. We're going to see it in Saul and the promise of his kingdom and in the taking away of his kingdom. We're going to see it in the New Testament. When the woman with the issue of blood reaches out for the identity of God in the deity of the prophet and doesn't realize that the very face of the man she's reaching for is literally God. And we're going to see it. It's called 
posting show notes. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be offering discounts to our Amazon store that's going to be launching soon. We're gonna be offering all kinds of extra benefits and perks and wonderful things that you can get access to by joining us and being a part of our our supporting team. Because the reality is that the Jesus Name News Podcast, it wouldn't exist without supporters just like you, listening to what we're doing, giving us feedback, letting us know what's going on, letting us know what you wanna hear about and being involved because Jesus Name News is about bringing the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this dark world. And we're so happy to have you be a part of it.